This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally, the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I always love when after Bnei Mitzvah carries the Torah and they return to their seat, they flex to their friends. It's heavy. It's heavy. The Torah is heavy. You did a great job, Claudia. Mazel tov to you and your whole family. This morning, I want to share one of my favorite, all-time favorite, Midrashim, a commentary layered onto this week's Parsha that has taken on new resonance for me in this moment of the war. So let's start with the scene from the Torah, which Claudia spoke about as well. It had been 20 years since Jacob saw his brother Esav, 20 years for Jacob to sit with the knowledge that his brother wants to kill him, revenge for the deception of the stolen blessing from their father, Isaac. After 20 years, Jacob is on his way home and a reunion with his brother is inevitable, and Jacob is terrified. All the more so when he learns that Esau has assembled 400 men for their reunion. Jacob divides his camp so that if Esau and his men attack the group, the other half will be able to escape. He sends gifts, 550 animals, desperately hoping that something will calm the brother he can still picture boiling with rage 20 years earlier. He prays to God for protection. But he can delay no longer. He crosses the river with his family. But then our text says something strange. Vayivater Yaakov levado. Jacob was left alone. Now in just a moment, Jacob is going to wrestle with this mysterious being, get a new name. But wait, why is Jacob alone? He just crossed the river with his family. The great commentator Rashi asks the same question. His answer, drawn from Masechet Chulin in the Babylonian Talmud, Jacob forgot some small jars, so he went back for them. Full stop. Okay, Rashi, you're telling us that this man who is scared for his life and his family, who just sent a small fortune to placate his brother, leaves his family, recrosses the river to go back for some jars. <laughs> Tupperware. What's going on? What's going on? Okay, side note, I have nothing against jars. I love jars, mason jars, pickling jars, the tomato sauce jars that you wash out to put the cashews into. Okay, but what really, what could be so important about a small jar in this pivotal moment in Jacob's story? Enter the Imre Noam, Rabbi Meir Horowitz, who's a 19th century Hasidic teacher. And here's the Midrash that I want us to consider. The jar that Jacob retrieves is filled with oil, but not just any oil. 
This oil came from the olive branch that the dove brought back to Noah on the ark. Noah cherished this oil and passed it down to his son, Shem, who gave it to Abraham, who gave it to Isaac, who gave it to Jacob. A cherished family possession that Jacob needs right now. Why? What story does this oil tell? So let's think about Noah for a moment, drifting on the ark. Weeks have passed since he last saw dry land, just steady rain and a growing understanding that this flood has wiped out the world as he once knew it. This isn't the first bird he sent out, hoping for some signs that the waters had subsided. And then it happens. A dove with an olive branch in its mouth, a signal to Noah that this horrible catastrophe was coming to a close. I imagine Noah completely breaking down at the sight of the dove, sobbing for what was lost, for what would never return, haunted by the thought of what more he could have done. And I imagine his relief that his story wouldn't end on a boat forever adrift, that there could be a tomorrow that was radically different from today. Grateful that the violent rains that filled his field of vision wouldn't be permanent, that this destruction wouldn't last forever without end. How his hands must have trembled as he pressed the olives into oil storing their message in a jar for his descendants to hold fast to. Generations later, Jacob decides that he needs to find this jar and tap into its wisdom. He and his brother only know violence, and he has every reason to believe that this story will continue, that the next 20 years will be more of the same, but he desperately wants a different outcome. So he crosses the river to find the jar that represents the counter-testimony to a story of perpetual violence. He finds the symbol that reminds him that continual violence is not inevitable, that there can be a future that looks different from the past and present. This jar is his reminder, and may I suggest our reminder that peace is always what we're yearning for. And even when engaged in the most bitter of conflicts, we have to find and cleave to the symbols of peace in our story. To remember that this jar is our inheritance passed down from Noah, not as an assurance that violence will never rage again, but as a reminder that when it does, this is the precise moment to find the jar, to keep close by a container of hope, infused with the memory of the day after the violence abates. A vision of peace must never be abandoned. I'm holding with joy and heartbreak, relief and fear, the images and stories of 102 hostages who came home this week. 
To see children hugging their parents, families reunited, I'm so grateful. All while knowing and hurting for how much they've lost, how many still remain, and those who will never get their reunion. My heart exhales at the sight of aid trucks arriving in Gaza, at the knowledge that for seven days, children slept through quiet nights. For the first time in 57 days, I felt a glimmer of optimism, a sense that maybe, just maybe, we'll find a way out of this hell. And yes, I was praying that the truce would continue, that we'd be gathered here today with a different reality at hand. But even as the war continues, especially as the war continues, and our hearts and minds are once again flooded by images of violence and brutality, we cannot abandon the conviction that peace is our ultimate hope. We have to tell the story of the jar over and over again to protect ourselves and others against the callousness that grows from ongoing violence. Tell the story again and again to guard against a feeling of resignation that violence is the permanent reality. I'm not dictating how we arrive at this peace. I'm pleading that we don't stop talking about the possibility and necessity for peace. Let's return to where we started. I told you that the Midrash of Jacob and the Jar is one of my all-time favorites. It's the weaving of Noah's story and the olive branch with Jacob's search for this jar of oil and the message of new possibilities that it holds. But it turns out, according to this incredible midrash, that's not the end of the story. The Imre Noam says that at the end of his life, Jacob hides the jar of oil at the future site of the temple in Jerusalem, only to be discovered 1,500 years later when the Maccabees are cleaning up the defiled temple. They find this hidden jar of oil, only enough for one day, which miraculously burns for eight nights. Here too, in the Hanukkah story, the jar of oil emerges as a signal that the violence that came before has given way to peace. While the oil from that ancient storied jar was used up, its story is far from over. It lives on in the ritual of lighting the Chanukiah, which will begin this week. It lives on in our affirmation of its message in this time of war that peace can still be found. Hold tight to this story. Even a drop of hope is worth retrieving to help imagine a brighter path ahead. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please 
Consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.